Whitney. I'm Danielle, and we are the founders of Sakara Life, on a mission to nourish your body and transform your life. Sakara is a Sanskrit word that describes the action of turning your thoughts into things and manifesting your reality. We believe that who we surround ourselves with, what we watch, what we listen to, what we eat, the information that we take in, impacts the way we think and therefore who we are. The conversations that follow are with bold thinkers who have had an impact on how we view the world, ourselves, and what it means to live the Saqqara life. The intention of these conversations is to push each of us to greater heights so that we can turn our thoughts into things and all shine our light a little brighter. We are so excited to be on this journey with you. Welcome to the Saqqara life. Everything we do at Sakara is rooted in understanding the power of food as medicine for the mind, body, and spirit. Through providing nourishing and healing foods, we seek to give you the tools to transform your life and become your most vibrant self. Today, we are joined by renowned author, scientist, and physician, Dr. William Lee, to discuss his New York Times bestselling book, Eat to Beat Disease, The New Science of How Your Body Can Heal Itself. He's the co-founder and medical director of the Angiogenesis Foundation and is widely known for his popular TED Talk, Can We Eat to Starve Cancer? He is an incredible source of wisdom, and we are so excited to share that he has officially joined the Sakara Science Council. We're so excited for you to listen to this conversation and see what we co-create together in the future. Please join us in welcoming Dr. William Lee. Well, Dr. Lee, it is such a pleasure to have you on the Sakara Life podcast Welcome. Thank you, Whitney. We like to start every episode with the same question, which is, what is your mission here on Earth? Well, my mission is actually to help people become more empowered to create health for themselves. And as a medical doctor, I was trained to write prescriptions and to send people to other medical specialists to get things done to them. But I realized, I think after decades of doing this, that the most powerful medicine is actually what, and not medicine, but the most powerful healthcare we can do for ourselves is in actually truly health, which is different than medical care. So my mission is one of health. Can you talk to us? You wrote a whole book about how to eat. It's called Eat to Beat Disease. Um, can you talk to us about how what we eat impacts health or causes disease, like the high-level mechanisms? Yeah, you know, uh, food as medicine is one of these topics that has become really front and center uh, as people think about how do we, you know, live better lives? How do we actually help ourselves, help our planet, do better things for our community? Uh, but it's, and it seems like a new topic, but in fact, it's a really, really old topic. If you go back 3000 years, there were cultures all throughout the Mediterranean, all throughout Asia, where food as medicine was second nature, um, partly because there were no medicines. And so part of how people lived their lives was being really, really in tune with how the foods they ate affected their bodies. So when it comes to food and health, most people always ask me, so what's the superfood that you would actually recommend? And in fact, 
what I tell people is that there really isn't a single superfood or super supplement. What there is, is actually a super body. Our, the human body has been designed, engineered, and functions in ways that, you know, no medical company could hope to actually replicate. Uh, and so when it comes to food and health, it's not just about the food. It's really about also about how our body responds to what we put inside it. And as you point out, Danielle, when we put something bad inside our bodies, it's, it's like putting, you know, really crappy fuel inside our car. You know, if you drive a nice car, the last thing you want to do is take the lowest quality fuel and load your car up with it or engine oil. You take the cheapest engine oil and, and really load it into your car. You know that the car is not going to do that well for over the long run. It might be okay. You take it around the block a few times, but over time, you're degrading the quality of the car. Same thing literally with uh, the food that we put into our body. When we put um, food that is inherently not good for us, um, we're going to be degrading our body. Now, there's plenty of people that talk about things that are not good for our bodies, and we can certainly talk about that. What I think is really much more amazing when you think about food as medicine are what are the things that we can add to our bodies, add to our health that also tastes great. And so that to me is another part of my mission, Whitney, is really, you know, how do we actually align the food that we love with the health that we want. We talk about the idea of food as medicine, obviously all the time. That's that's what we do, helping people understand that every single choice they make is doing something to their body. So how can we help you make the choices that are doing the best things for your body? Um, I'd love for you to outline the five defense systems that you talk about in your book, because I think it's a really interesting POV on what it means to maintain health in the body. Yeah, I agree because I think a lot of people, they can, they understand when you're saying you need to eat for a healthy body. Okay, they know there are certain foods that are good for you, certain foods that are bad for you, and that overall what you eat affects your health. But I think when um, we're saying, well, what you eat actually affects your potential for disease, that that's a little bit more difficult to connect the dots. And I think your five defenses really help connect those dots. Right. Well, I'll tell you how I came about this. Um, and, you know, as, as a medical doctor, I'm an internal medicine doctor. That means that I take care of men and women, young and old, um, uh, healthy and sick. And my goal has always been to get people, to keep, keep people in health and to get them back to health if they are sick. And so, you know, that brings up this really important question that I always had in my head from the time I was in medical school, which is, what is health? I mean, I could tell you what disease is. I mean, somebody could tell you what cancer is, for example, but what is actual health, right? Most people, including doctors, will tell you, well, health is easy. That's the absence of disease. If I'm not sick, I'm healthy. But for me, that was always a really um, insufficient, unsatisfying answer because that, that seems like health is a negative space. And what my research actually revealed is, in fact, Health is far from being the absence of disease. It's really the result of our body's health defense systems. These are hardwired systems in our body that developed in our bodies when we were in our mom's wombs. So there was nine months of creating these health defense systems. And when we were born, the moment we kind of emerged uh, on the planet, these health defense systems are firing on all cylinders. There's five of them, and they fire in all cylinders, helping to repel disease, keep us healthy, uh, have help us be all we can be from a vitality perspective, 
all the way into our final breath. I mean, even on our deathbed, our health defenses are still uh, doing everything they can to, to keep us going. And so that realization made me realize that the foods that we eat can either take down or damage our health defenses, or they can actually unleash our health defenses and build them back up. And that's really the secret of food as medicine is not so much about, you know, oh, you know, eat plant-based is, is a good general, I mean, that, that that's a good general theme. It's also a bumper sticker, you know? Um, <laughs> what people really wanna know is how do you, like what, what, do, what of the plant-based world should we eat and why should we eat it and how does it work? Because I think that today's consumers um, and I'm talking about information consumers, right? Because we get information from everywhere, uh, online, from television, from our friends and family, social media. The bottom line is that people are becoming inquisitive. They want to know why. They want to know just know what. They want to know why. And that's where the health defense systems come in. It tells you why. Yeah. And I'd love for you to walk through kind of high level each, all five of them. I'm, I'm currently getting my master's in functional medicine, um, and what you said about defining health is really interesting because, you know, I know the functional medicine approach is this idea of, and you spoke to it, Dr. Ali, it's this idea of vitality and how do we measure it and how do we start to define it? Because that's actually what we're after. We're not after treating diseases or after, you know, and we talk about that Sakara all the time. Like we don't want to just be on your to-do list. Eating well is not just another thing to do. It's like, we have to understand why we're doing it. What are we actually after? And it's that vitality, feeling alive and feeling like, you know, food and, and disease and fatigue and brain fog and, you know, the long list of chronic disorders aren't in the way of you feeling like that. You know, we'll talk about the five health defense systems, but I, I think that what you were just referring to is something I really believe in, which is health, good health is joyful. And one of the things that I really like about every, you know, what Sakara represents is really embracing joy in, in good living. Uh, so that's something I think that is, is really powerful with what Sakara is doing and very much aligned with uh, all the research that's actually been shown as well. So what are the five health defense systems? Well, I'll walk through them high level, very simply. And in the first one is our circulation. So we got good blood flow is really important. Everything from your brain, obviously, um, to your sexual function, because you need good blood flow for all of those bits and parts to actually work, whether you're a man or a woman. And, um, and we know that because some of these um, uh, sexual dysfunction drugs like the uh, uh, Viagra's and uh, 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 other Cialis's, they all work by good blood flow. And so the, the amazing thing is that it's all based on what the body tries to do by itself. So our body grows blood vessels, controls blood vessels through a process called angiogenesis. And I'm an expert in blood vessels. That's my field of research. We've got 60,000 miles worth of blood vessels packed inside our bodies. So you can imagine how extensive our circulation is. If you were to pull out every blood vessel and line it up end to end, you'd form a, a, a yarn that would wrap around the earth twice. It's all packed inside us. So every bit of nutrition that we eat, every molecule of oxygen we breathe has to go through this circuit tree in order to get to our cells. That's why it's a health defense system. You wanna have just enough blood vessels, you don't wanna to have too many, and you don't wanna to have too few, but just the right amount. It's like a Goldilocks um, uh, zone. We need to have just the right amount. That's one of our health defenses. Second health defense system is our stem cells. 
So I know some people go to the strip mall and they get stem cells injected into their knees or, you know, or, or, uh, you know, into their face or whatever. Um, yeah. Does that I, I work you, by the way? Um, asking you know for a friend. Asking uh, for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will tell you that because I'm actually somebody who's been working at the biotech level doing stem cell therapies. Uh, I can tell you for a fact as a physician doing research, that there are people who have been crippled with various diseases that have actually had stem cells injected into them, and it's completely transformed their lives. Everything from people in an ICU, uh, on a ventilator, um, you know, curled up in a in in sort of uh, in a in a ball, uh, getting back up and walking out of the hospital, to people who have had terrible heart disease, they couldn't even tie their shoes without actually having chest pain because their heart wasn't getting enough blood vessels, blood flow, and having stem cells has completely transformed their lives. It's quite amazing. However, what you're asking is, so I'm, so I'm telling you, it does work. The, the real, I think the bigger question you're asking is, is it ready for prime time? And what I would tell you is that the industrial stuff, the commercial stuff, we don't understand how to enough, we don't understand how to deliver it well enough um, to be able to make it work all the time, reliably, in ways that are actually are scalable. However, here's where it really works. Our body knows how to make stem cells come out all by themselves. So most people don't realize that we're already packed with stem cells. So remember I was telling you about formation of these health defense systems in our mom wombs? So uh, all three of us on this podcast were once um, sperm and egg. We met in uh, our parts of ourselves met in our mom's womb. And then we started to form little balls of cells that became stem cells. And those stem cells wound up developing the parts that are our face, the parts that are our arms, the parts that are our liver and our heart and our brain. So we were all once stem cells. And over nine months, we grew into, you know, basically a, uh, a ready to be delivered uh, baby. But there were extra stem cells. So the, all the overage, it's like when you paint a house, right? You get all your cans of paint. You never use all the cans of paint. There's always some extra. What do you do? You cap them up and you put them away in the, in the garage, right? Well, so when we were born, all the stem cells that were left over, those extra cans of paint, were packed away in our bone marrow. So the bone marrow is, a, is, is the stuff that's inside the hollow of our bone, our arms, uh, the arm bones and the leg bones and our hip bones, okay? And that's all stem cells. We all, like, uh, uh, on average, we have 750 million extra stem cells that are waiting to be used as ammunition to regenerate us from the inside out. So this happens invisibly. Our gut regenerates, our liver can regenerate, our lung can regenerate. We now know that even our brain and our heart can regenerate slowly. So here's where food enters the equation. Um, and by the way, that natural regeneration is part of our health defenses because we might damage part of our liver if we drink too much. We got to actually, you know, it's that, that college party, you know, we damage some of our liver, it's got to regenerate, right? So, so, so that's part of our health defenses, our, our stem cells regenerate, but foods can actually help call out more of these stem cells to help regenerate even faster. And Wait, better. how does that work? How, how does a food impact stem cells? Ah, it's really amazing. So um, there are foods like barley, there are whole grains, there are foods like mushrooms. They contain beta-D-glucans. So this is a chemical, natural chemical, that's found in some of these uh, plant-based foods. And when we eat them, they actually, they get into the bloodstream and they cause a chain reaction that calls out the stem cells, kind of like bees coming out of a hive. 
And these stem cells called flying out and they circulate in our blood. So our blood our circulation becomes really important. They partner up. One health defense system partners up with the other one. And they basically say, where do we need to regenerate more? And if you need to regenerate um, your muscle, that's where it goes. If you need to regenerate your circulation because it's part of your blood vessels are damaged, that's where it goes. So that's really how foods actually work. And there are some things that can actually blunt our regenerative mechanisms. So if you eat a lot of salt, high salt diet actually stuns your stem cells. So even if they get called out, you know, they're not swimming as fast as they would want to. Um, high sugar, high added sugar, especially hyperglycemia, okay? Lots of sugar stuns your stem cells. That's why people with diabetes struggle with regeneration uh, internally more because their stem cells are kind of stunned. They're not doing quite as well. If you have a super high fat diet, you know, lots of saturated fat, um, mostly red meat diet, that kind of like the classic diet that we know that's not good for you, high saturated fat in your bloodstream, high cholesterol stuns your stem cells. And so wow. here it is like plant-based foods can actually call them out. And some of the unhealthy aspects of unhealthy diets stun them. So that's a second health defense system. And we can talk about all the foods that can call out regeneration. It's quite amazing that foods, I would, by the way, that this is one of the most amazing things that I saw in my research is when I realized that you can actually use foods to actually stimulate regeneration from the inside out that no biotech company can actually do. Wow. So you got to um, eat your mushrooms. Mushrooms are kind of polarizing. You know, we've serviced thousands and thousands of people all across the country and we see that people don't necessarily love to eat beets and mushrooms, but maybe after this podcast, people will start eating their mushrooms more. Yeah, I also hope that after hearing this, I think a lot of people want to look outside of their daily habits for solutions. So like, what pill can I take? What stem cells can I have injected? And what we believe to be true and, and what I hear you saying as well, Dr. Lee, and especially according to the, some of the studies, is it's actually the, the daily things that we're doing anyway that impact our health in every way. And so if we can make sure those are the things that, um, you know, we're doing well or as well as possible, right. then Don't that's just what really impacts Right. right. Well, yeah, or like know, do a detox for three days and eat mushrooms and then go back. Like it's not, that's not how your body thrives. Right. Well, you know, and, it, and it's not just a single food because people tend to focus on one particular food, but whole grains contain beta-D-glucan. So whole wheat can, oats can contain it. It also is in a mushroom. And by the way, different mushrooms are, are taste differently. Somebody might not like the texture or the taste of a white button mushroom, but that's okay. They might like porcini mushrooms, uh, which you can get dried. And, and by the way, even the parts of the food are different. So um, if you take a look at the, the beta-D-glucan I'm talking about, it's present in the cap of the mushroom. But do you know that it's like the, the stem, the stipe of the mushroom, the, the stalk actually mm -hmm. has twice as much of it. And so most people don't specifically call out and eat the stems, but you can put that stem into a blender um, uh, and you can actually puree it and you can make the mushroom taste invisible. You can put it into a smoothie or you can make it into a soup. And so there, I think this whole idea of versatility, understanding that mother nature speaks to us and our bodies in ways that are, are really versatile to be able to get these things in. And then just, you know, to make sure that I'm, um, uh, pleasing your listeners a little bit in case they're mushroom haters, which look, everybody's different. It's called personal preferences. 
dark chocolate, cacao also stimulates, calls out stem cells. So if you want to talk about the ultimate um, uh, recruiter of stem cells, it turns out that dark chocolate, 80% or higher, and, and obviously if you can get it without a lot of added sugar is even better, that actually is a big recruiter of stem cells. Black mm, tea now you're talking recruiter. Danielle's language here. <laughs> yeah, my husband basically lives on Saqqara, oats, and dark chocolate, and he looks about 20 years younger than he actually is. So I can attest to <laughs> There, there the stem you go. cells are working, Doctor Lee. So they are, they are, they are, they are, they are really working. Um, and uh, there's a really interesting study, by the way, looking at black tea. Right, most people think of green tea being good, which it is, really good, and black tea being eh, it's oxidized, all the antioxidants are gone, not so good. Uh, people from Britain that colonized, you know, uh, India, they were taking the tea back and they couldn't preserve it on the boat. So they dried it out and fermented it. And that's why it might taste good to the English, but British, but it actually doesn't have a lot of antioxidants in it. That's all wrong, actually. Mm. Um, I've actually done research with black teas and black teas have their own unique properties. And one of them, by the way, is that they actually call out stem cells. So uh, there was a study done in Italy where they were studying people, older older people, with uh, 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 and, and having them drink black tea, and they were measuring the stem cells in their bloodstream. So these were clinical studies, and they were able to find that was, as they were sipping black tea every day, there, there were more and more and more stem cells coming out of their bone marrow into their circulation, and their, and their blood flow was actually improved as well. How do you measure blood flow? There's a test called flow-mediated dilation. I'll, show, I'll explain to you how it works. It's really simple. Basically, if you've got uh, if you've got crummy blood flow circulation, if you put a blood pressure cuff on and you squeeze it up and your arm gets real tight, um, uh, when you let that blood pressure cuff go, the, the, the your blood vessels that are not healthy will have a harder time bringing the blood flow back. Right. So it's kind of like a sink that's clogged. Doesn't really drain at that well. So what, what you can do is you can use that as a measure to see if you're improving the resiliency, the, the flow, uh, the, 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 the sink is draining better, right? So that's a measure of blood. That's called flow-mediated dilation. So they found that when people were drinking black tea, that they could actually um, get the blood flow to actually go a lot better. So that's a really important, that's a surrogate, what we call a substitution measure of how your stem cells are doing in repairing your your circulation. Uh, and what they found with people who were drinking black tea, that would actually improve. What was really interesting is they had actually had people um, uh, sample whipped cream and to see if the hot, remember I told you high fat stuns your stem cells. So when they actually were having people eating whipped cream, it actually slowed down the resiliency of their blood vessels. It wasn't quite so good. And then when they actually drank black tea, they were able to get the rebound so, to repair it. So it's not, so this is actually something that can actually um, you can restore yourself, which is really quite uh, remarkable. Now, let me talk about the, the next health defense system because I want to get through all five of them. For, yeah. for and I'll try to bring I'll try to bring some foodie stuff in there because I think that might be oh, love a way to kind of bring it bring relevance to people. Um, by the way, green tea is good for angiogenesis as oh, well. Oh, good because I'm drinking matcha right now. Excellent, excellent. Oh, by the way, I'll tell you another thing about matcha. Um, matcha has been studied. So first of all, what is matcha? Matcha is not simply green tea that you brew. Matcha is the actual leaves that have been ground up into powder. So you get a lot of fiber, you get the entire, the whole shebang is in matcha. Uh, and matcha leaves are grown in very special ways. So um, they're grown under shade. 
So um, they get they get plenty of 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 sunlight, ultraviolet light, but they're also grown in a in a more protected way. Now, matcha has been studied, I think, at a Bristol University to see how they affect stem cells, but not healthy stem cells, how they affect cancer stem cells. Because the part I didn't tell you about is that cancer actually is really insidious. It can grow and it regenerates ca cancer cells can, tumors can regenerate themselves by their own stem cells. Mm -hmm. So this is nowhere more important than in breast cancer, right? Because basically a lot of people are grappling with breast cancer at different points in their lives. Breast cancer is actually very treatable if you catch it early. And many women actually, you know, have an abnormal mammogram and they have a little lump and they take it out and they're like, okay, you're fine. You know, um, uh, we got it early enough. But then when it comes back, nobody wants it to come back. But when it comes back, it comes back because little baby stem cells that the cancer left behind regenerate. So how do you actually get rid of those breast cancer stem cells? Well, it's been studied. Matcha tea kills breast cancer stem cells. So it's wow. really quite remarkable. And this has been studied in the lab, is that um, if you actually expose matcha, uh, breast cancer stem cells to matcha, it will kill them. Uh, uh, and there's no drug, there's no biotech uh, that, that thing, product that can actually do that. But green tea, this is where mother nature can outsmart us. Um, and there are other foods that can also kill uh, cancer stem cells, purple potatoes, which I love to eat. Um, uh, How about coffee, Dr. Lee? Is that? <laughs> coffee. I'm hopeful, not a matcha hopeful. drinker, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, so, so chlorogenic acid is what's in coffee. And so you're prompting me to talk about um, my, one of my favorite. I drink tea, by the way, uh, all the time. And I, but I, I, I swap, swap it out with coffee. Um, I, I spent some time living in Italy and I picked up this, not a bad habit. It's a great habit, which is I, I drink, you know, like I'll have my espresso. And mm. when I, you know, and, and, and coffee is, is some, some of these things that there's so many different ways to drink coffee. So when you take a look at the science, what does coffee actually do? Well, um, well, the coffee bean has a natural bioactive chemical called chlorogenic acid. And chlorogenic acid is also found in other uh, foods as well, but it's really the highest amounts found in coffee. And what does chlorogenic acid do? It props up our body's health defense system, the angiogenesis system. In fact, coffee, that chlorogenic acid you get in coffee can cut off the blood supply that cancers need to be able to grow. Uh, and so coffee has got this great cancer starving effect been studied in the lab, been correlated in human studies. And so when I get my coffee, what do I try to do is I look for organic coffee now. Uh, I didn't used to always, but then new research came out looking at how much chlorogenic acid is found in coffee. And so I was interested in looking at different coffees. And, if, and it was really interesting to me that uh, organic coffee, hands down, every single time has more of this natural bioactive chlorogenic acid than conventionally grown coffee. Now, why would it, why might that be? Okay, so if you think about why people have said to eat organic, it's to have less of a bad thing, no pesticides, less chemicals, all right? So that's less bad. But I just told you there's more chlorogenic acid. That's more good. So mm -hmm. I, I'm naturally gravitating towards the more good rather than the less bad. It's more appealing to me. I just, you know, I think for human nature, like, Give me the best stuff that I that I can get. Well, so why would that be? Why would organic coffee have more chlorogenic acid? Well, the clue for me came from research that was done in strawberries. Okay, so what what is that? What could that possibly do with it? So 
strawberries um, are pretty vulnerable to pests, right? They kind of like these short plants that grow close to the ground. Bugs love to eat strawberry plants. They get nibbled on. And so uh, researchers looked at organic strawberries versus conventionally grown strawberries. And the organic strawberries um, are tattered, like the, the leaves are nibbled on, the stems are nibbled on, but the fruit tastes great. Okay, I, I always think that organic, the organic strawberries taste really good. And so they studied it. And it turns out that when little pests and insects nibble on strawberry leaves and stems, the, the plant views that as an injury. And so their wound healing response, their response to being nibbled on is to create more of the good stuff, these bioactives. In the case of strawberries, it's the lactic acid. Um, and so organic strawberries have a ton more elagic uh, 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 acid than a conventionally grown one because because of, of pesticides actually keep the bugs from nibbling on the plant. So you want little nibbles in order to get even better stuff. Same deal with coffee. It turns out that pesticides uh, keep down the nibbles on the coffee um, plant, but actually the organic ones actually have the little nibbling. And so the coffee responds, the coffee plant responds by putting more of the chlorogenic acid in. And so, you know, so anyway, so that's one of the interesting little tips of how science is helping us make better choices, frankly. Today, we are so excited to tell you about our newest product launch. Whitney, drumroll, please. Our super seed and nut blends. We set out to create the perfect, clean, protein-rich snack to help satisfy hunger between meals or at mealtime and provide a healthy snack to support you when you're on the go. We've created three delicious blends that are seasoned with all organic, of course, and natural ingredients, air-roasted, without oil, and these come in three functional flavors. Anti-inflammatory, which is my personal favorite, and it has turmeric, curry, and sea salt. An adaptogenic blend, which has maple, paprika, and ashwagandha. That one's my favorite. And an energy one containing herbs, chlorella, and nutritional yeast, which is also delicious. Mm-hmm. Each bundle contains five individual packets, one for each day of the week to support your busy life. In celebration of this launch, we are offering $15 off your first purchase on Saqqara.com. So please use podcast15 at checkout. We hope you love these super seed and nut blends as much as we do. Oh, and don't forget, each one contains 7 to 8 grams of pure plant protein. Incredible. I love that because I think (laughs) it's amazing to me that um, you know, organic is seen as this kind of mm, expensive treat that, um, you know, is only for the elite or something like that. Or like, and like people don't understand why it's such an important health choice. And at Sakara, you know, we have a, a huge service mission where we donate millions of dollars to help children understand the importance of not just health choices like what you were saying, the purple sweet potato, et cetera, but also understanding how to choose quality. So choosing organic. Um, and it's it's funny because it's one of those things you can't see. So like you can't see that kale is organic. You just have to kind of, you know, trust the label, um, but also be a really informed consumer in this day and age. And agreed, most people even think that it's, eh, you just avoid a few pesticides and herbicides, but you can just wash them off. 
not really understanding that there's so many things that impact a plant throughout farming and harvesting, et cetera, um, that go into organic agriculture versus conventional agriculture that lead to a healthier plant. And it's so interesting to think how a bug, like you wouldn't think that that matters, but in the synergy that is Mother Earth and this planet, there's a reason for everything. And when we take something out of a system, um, we end up missing so many key components that we didn't even know we were missing in the first place. Well, think about it this way. Um, when we have a wound, if you cut yourself, you know, in the kitchen with a, with a knife, um, your body responds to that injury by putting more stuff into that area to heal it. Blood vessels grow, you have to restore all the tissue, you, you know, your body naturally brings more of what it needs to that space. And that's really what the that's really what the, the these little bugs nibbling on a plant actually does is it brings more of the goodness of the plant into the, the fruit. Um, it distributes it uh, over there. So I think organic is actually like that. That's brought a whole new dimension to my own food choices. Um, uh, more good is appealing than less bad. And I think that most people can understand that, you know, like if you wanted to have something juicier, tastier, and better for you. Those are the things that are qualities that I think make make a make a difference. Um, yeah. The her, third health well, defense system, by the way, is is really the gut microbiome. And I, a lot of people talk about the gut microbiome. It's so important, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll help your uh, listeners um, understand where I am as a scientist on this. A real scientist spends most of their time telling the other scientists and regular people how much we don't know. And I will tell you, when it comes to the gut microbiome, we are barely scratching the surface. There's so much we don't know yet about the gut microbiome that when somebody says, well, I know everything about the gut microbiome, it's so easy. Here it is in a, you know, here it is in a package or here is it in a, in a pamphlet. What I will tell you as a scientist is that we are barely, barely understanding the, just the tip of the iceberg. But what we do understand is profound. What we do understand is that in our bodies, it's also on our skin, but mostly in our gut, we've got like 37 trillion bacteria that are growing inside of us. In fact, if you were to count the human cells that we actually have, it's about 39 trillion, got 37 trillion bacteria. So we're like one to one human and bacteria. It's so crazy to think that we're not all human but that we're like, we're walking around 50% of us are bacteria. In fact, by the way, there's a name for an, an organism, a creature that is not only one species. It's called a holobiont, H-O-L-O-B-I-O-N-T. And that's what we are. We are actually holobionts because we are basically ecosystems that contain healthy gut bacteria. Now, when I was a, training to be a doctor, going to medical school, most people, um, most of the professors told us bacteria are bad. We want to get rid of bacteria. Okay. And by the way, and here's a whole list of antibiotics you got to memorize so you can prescribe them to kill those bad bacteria. And, and that's, I think most of us, when we were growing up, were also taught that, you know, stay away from germs. You got to wash your hands, like, you know, uh, take a shower, like all these the um, uh, kind of uh, uh, axioms about how important it is to get rid of ba the bacteria. Well, it turns out that most of the bacteria that are associated with humans are good bacteria. And in fact, we need them. They're invisible, just like you were saying before, uh, Danielle, um, and they're inside our gut. 
And uh, they do things like they control our metabolism. They help us metabolize sugar. They help lower inflammation. They even send signals like text messaging our bacteria to our brain to prompt our brain to release hormones, including social hormones um, that are really important. So this gut-brain axis. And so if we eat foods that damage our gut microbiome, like artificial sweeteners, like synthetic preservatives, like uh, um, lots of red meat. Um, th these are all things that we know through research actually can alter our gut microbiome uh, and, and, and to some extent damage it. it. It can try to recover, but it doesn't, if you do it all the time, you'll actually really uh, put a dent in it. Um, but you'll, you'll actually change the ability for your metabolism, uh, uh, inflammatory bowel disease, uh, in chronic inflammation. All these things actually get worse and are provoked by damaging your gut microbiome. Some amazing diseases associated with what we call dysbiosis, that's problems with the microbiome. Think about the Great Barrier Reef. I, I, I took a trip once to Australia and I had, the, I had the real privilege of actually going to see a part of the Great Barrier Reef that wasn't so damaged. So we had to go way out uh, into the ocean in the Pacific to get the China Sea to actually see this. It's so far out, like you can't even see the land anymore. It was kind of scary how far out we had to go because it's so damaged. But it is gorgeous when you actually see a pristine part of the barrier reef. When you go back closer to shore and you see how much damage has been done, the coral's dead, frankly, and the ecosystem's been destroyed. And so think about our gut bacteria the same way. We want a good ecosystem, not a dead or damaged ecosystem. And what the food that we feed it can make that difference between a great ecosystem versus a damaged ecosystem. So what are some of the foods that are good for our, our uh, gut bacteria? Dietary fiber. That's the simplest thing. And how do you get dietary fiber? Well, plant-based foods are the mother load for dietary fiber. So, you know, leafy greens are really great. Uh, nuts, uh, tree nuts are good, macadamia, uh, uh, walnuts, almonds, pecans, pistachios, uh, cashews, all really good for you. Here's something, um, uh, a pear has uh, got five grams of, of, of dietary fiber. Now, why am I pointing out a pear, something as simple as a pear? Well, first, I, I love pears. Uh, it's a season for pears. But mm -hmm. I will also tell you why it's important, because there was a study that just was published um, in December of 2021, so the end of the last year, um, that uh, was done by cancer researchers. And they showed that uh, people who had melanoma that were being treated with immunotherapy. So immunotherapy is this breakthrough treatment for cancer that doesn't directly kill cancer cells with a drug. Uh, the, the medicine actually wakes up your own immune system, wakes up your own defenses, which is immune systems under health defenses, to allow your own your own immune system to tackle the cancer. And it can be quite remarkable. And, but not everybody responds. And what this research study showed is that those people who ate more dietary fiber, about 20 grams a day, actually had significantly improved survival. So this wow. isn't food versus medicine. This is a cancer patient being treated with some sophisticated state-of-the-art drug. But what made a difference in terms of survival was eating dietary fiber. So how much fiber did they find was associated? They found every five grams of, of dietary fiber. So a pear, medium-sized pear has five grams of dietary fiber, was associated with 30% improval in survival. Wow. wow.
it's really profound. So this is published in the journal Science. It's a, you know, it's a, it's one of the kind of central scientific research papers. And so again, you know, there's a lot of um, uh, of happiness and joy associated with food. I'm a foodie, so I love to talk about food. But I also want to emphasize, because I'm a medical doctor, that you know, food can also be a matter of life and death. And so we also, you know, not everybody, you know, is in a place in their lives where they're just enjoying food. Some people are really struggling with their health as well. And so I want to send a message that, you know, if you have a serious chronic disease, your food can also make the difference. So what about this dietary fiber and why does it matter? Because your dietary fiber um, feeds your gut bacteria. We used to think, by the way, in med school too, when you eat dietary fiber, all it does is that you, your, your gut extracts the nutrients and then that fiber just tickles your colon. So you, you poop, you're more normal, right? Mm -hmm. Like that was like the old mm -hmm. saying, totally that textbook's been thrown out the window. All right, now we know what happens is that we do absorb all the nutrients of, let's say, a pear in our in our intestines. But what's left, this this insoluble fiber, feeds our gut bacteria. Okay, so we're actually feeding our gut bacteria with this dietary fiber. The diet, the, the gut bacteria pay us back by. Um, helping to groom our metabolism, get our blood sugar better, lower our lipids, send better signals to our brain, uh, and coax our immune system, which is important for cancer patients to overcome their cancer. So how does that work? How is our gut bacteria helping our immune system? Well, it turns out, if you look, take a look at uh, our colon, our gut, if you were to cut the, our intestines cross-section, it would look like a garden hose that you cut in half, right? So there's a, there's a tube, big tube, and, um, and the bacteria is inside the garden hose, right? But, but in the layer of the garden hose, actually, it turns out that 70% of our immune system is actually found inside the wall of our immune system, like, like the jelly in a jelly roll. That's where our immune system lives, 70% of it. And so our gut bacteria is able to talk directly to our immune system. I, I say it's kind of like college roommates living in a dorm. You know, remember like when you're in college, basically you can, like one roommate can actually just shout right through the wall or pound through the wall and say mm -hmm. what you want to order on your pizza kind of thing. And, and that's what our gut bacteria can actually do to our immune system. And so when the gut bacteria is happy, when we're feeding it with the right things, it gives the correct instructions to our immune system. And in the case of these uh, this cancer research study it seems that that's what's actually happening by feeding more dietary fiber to the gut it's talking to the immune system and that's what immunotherapy does so uh, we, we obviously want to be able to prevent cancer as well and that and so high fiber diets have also been low, low associated with lower risk of developing cancer as well so here's an example of you know being as healthy as we can by taking care of our immune system and so this is the connection between our gut microbiome defenses and our immune defenses. Amazing. Wow. I feel like we could have just talked this whole time about one of these health defense systems. They're all so interesting. Um, so we've talked about angiogenesis. Um, we've talked about stem cells and regeneration. We've talked about the immune system and the gut. So what are the... I guess, what is one? that? Last one. Yeah. yeah. So we'll talk about the last one. And I, and I save it for last because it's the one that is easiest to kind of like oversimplify. So we've all heard about antioxidants, right? So vitamin C is an antioxidant. Uh, blueberries are an antioxidant superfood. You know, the acai berry, like it's everywhere. It's marketing. You, you, in fact, it's hard to escape the term antioxidant <laughs> when it comes to food, healthy food. But I will give you a different point of view. Um, uh, uh, antioxidants protect our DNA and our DNA 
actually is hardwired to be one of our body's health defense systems. Now, you know, everybody knows that DNA, Watson and Crick, it's the genetic code. Um, uh, it's important in our body. Like, you know, if you watch TV and you look at how crime scenes are worked on, everybody looks for the DNA at a crime scene now. But I will tell you, our DNA is so much more than simply our genetic code. It is part of our health defense systems. Now, why is that? Well, it turns out that when we are actually going about our ordinary ways, just stuff in the environment can damage our body, can impact, invade our body and damage our, our, our genetics, a gene, damage our genetic code. So for example, um, um, we all know going to a tanning bed, tanning salon is bad for us because that, that uh, the ultraviolet radiation for a tanning bed uh, will actually cause DNA mutations that sets you up for skin cancer. We also know going to the beach and burning uh, repeatedly is really bad for our skin, sets you up for melanoma uh, later on. But did you know that if you're sitting in traffic, um, you know, on a sunny day in the summer and the, and the sun is coming through your windshield and an open window, that's also causing DNA damage. But how come we're not getting melanoma from sitting in traffic uh, going to work and on a commute? It's because our DNA is hardwired to protect us from that kind of damage. Did you know that, like when you when you when you live in a home that uh, uh, above certain parts of uh, of the Earth, that radon radiation is seeping through the planet and seeping up and and basically baking us with some radiation from our feet, right? Like the radon, right? Like you, you you own a home, you you have to get radon measurements in your home. There's radiation coming through. So how come we don't wind up getting all kinds of cancer just by living in a house on planet Earth? Because our DNA even though it can be impacted by that, fixes itself. We, it can fix itself. Um, if you're driving a car that still uses gasoline, um, I always ask, do you stand upstream or downstream from the pump? And most people scratch their head like, huh, what are you talking about? And what I say is that if you smell those fumes, you are standing downstream, which means that those fumes are getting into your lungs and damaging the DNA in your lungs. So how come you don't get lung cancer after you fill up your car with gas? It's because the DNA can fix itself. So our DNA is a powerful fixer. And antioxidants that you find in food neutralize some of the incoming things that can damage our DNA. It helps our body out, which is how some foods that are antioxidants can help our body's natural ability to fix our DNA. Now, you can do eat antioxidants to neutralize the incoming missiles, but you can also eat foods that can help prompt our DNA to fix itself faster. A great food, so like um, uh, a strawberry, or tomato, or red bell pepper, lots of vitamin C, great antioxidants, so it's a citrus, a lemon, a lime, uh, all great, uh, even bergamot, you know, like uh, that people have a citrus, have lots of vitamin C, excellent for actually neutralizing the incoming missiles that can damage your DNA, but a kiwi will actually prompt our DNA to fix itself better. So studies have been done to say that when you eat your kiwi, it prompts your DNA to repair the potholes that might've been created even faster. So now you've got the shield, prevent the incoming. Now you've got the workers to come up to fix the potholes. And then of course, you've got the degradation of the whole genetic machinery. And it's our, our, our DNA is protected by these things called telomeres. They are the end caps, like in the end of a shoelace, you got a little plastic end cap. Right, so when that, that that little piece of plastic is is uh, damaged, what happens is the whole shoelace falls apart, right? So that's the telomere that protects us, and that actually slows down cellular aging. So when 
Um, so what we want to do is to be able to slow down the damage that can occur to the genetics, our genetic machinery, that telomere is really, really important. So what's something that can actually slow that degradation process down? Well, it turns out, Danielle, that your favorite drink, coffee, actually slows down cellular aging by preventing your telomeres from burning mm -hmm. down faster. In fact, what's really amazing when studies have been done is that co drinking coffee makes your telomeres grow longer. So you actually can even reverse some of the cellular aging, which is really amazing. So if you think about where that the science is taking us, it's not just about, you know, woo-woo antioxidant foods. Like that's a marketing st statement. And, and it's great for the people that are trying to sell that market. It's not incorrect. It's just it just is just the tip of the iceberg. The story is much deeper. And so to the to the fact that you know you guys at Sakara really want your people, your customers to really have a deeper understanding of why the foods that can create joy are also good for us deep inside. This is really just kind of remaking our total understanding of food. This is how you can say, look, you know, do you like your coffee? Absolutely. I have my morning Joe every day, you know, and it doesn't matter how it's made. Well, what kind of coffee would you actually have? Well, so you can have a choice based on science. Why is it good for you? Well, you know, it gives me more energy. It's a pick me up. Well, that's good. You know, we know that coffee has little caffeine in it, but what about the chlorogenic acid? What have I told you it actually helps to prevent your DNA from being damaged and it slows down your cellular aging and it can even reverse some of your aging. Now you have a completely deeper, richer understanding of something that you might actually enjoy already. Mm. This is so wonderful and, and really just, um, I hope brings it home for people to just understand. You talked about so many studies, so many types of foods, and then so many beautiful, um, effects, like what they do in the body. Um, and so it just really exemplifies how every single choice we make has a big impact. Like it's it's not just breakfast. It's not just a snack. It's it's medicine, as you say. You're such a wealth of knowledge, Dr. Lee. Yeah, and it's not just about preventing or having a lack of disease, but really about thriving, about being full of vitality and in your full health. So I love that message. And thank you so much for sharing it from such a great scientific perspective with I got I got I got to give you guys one last little tidbit um, because yeah. you mentioned it earlier you said to me that um, some of your customers said that they weren't sure they liked beets yep right Beets um, and mushrooms. Okay, let's let's talk about beets for a second, just in case okay. somebody, just in case somebody out there is Please listening. Please convince them to eat beets. Is a, is a is a beet doubter. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, here's a research study that was done. Um, that was pretty amazing. Well, first of all, let me talk about beets. Beets, like spinach, are one of these um, plant-based foods that absorb a lot of nitrogen from the soil. And when you eat foods that absorb lots of nitrogen, like a beet. Um, and you chew it, you got to make it tasty, obviously, and you chew it and enjoy the taste because you can really make tasty beets. Um, it turns out that the tongue micro, there's a microbiome, healthy bacteria that live in our tongue because our mouth is part of our gut. And so when the tongue bacteria, healthy bacteria encounter the nitrogen in the beets, it converts that nitrogen in a form that when we swallow um, uh, that, that mouthful, 
our body absorbs that uh, absorbs it as nitric oxide. So it actually, what's it, what this nitric oxide does? It's such an important substance, natural substance in our body. It causes vasodilation. It causes our blood flow to happen. It actually prompts regeneration to occur. So more nitric oxide, you get more stem cells to come out naturally. All right. So, and of course, nitric oxide is something that a drug like Viagra actually is designed to actually stimulate. Well, okay. So here's something amazing. Um, a few months ago, it was a study that uh, from a Cleveland Clinic that looked at 7 million people. That's a lot of people in a research study. And they were looking at their electronic medical records and they were searching for medicines that people were taking and health outcomes that matter. And it turns out that um, one health outcome is dementia, Alzheimer's disease, right? Nobody wants to get Alzheimer's disease. Everybody knows somebody who has it, especially as we get older. And it's something that we want to dodge if we can at all, at all costs. And they found that there was a medicine that people were taking that actually was correlated with a 60% um, decrease in the risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. It's a correlation, okay? But out of 7 million people, if it's statistically significant, it's pretty important. And they found that people who were taking Viagra had much lower incidences of Alzheimer's disease. So Viagra, nitric oxide, stem cells, stem cells for the brain, wow, that, that tells you something pretty powerful. Now, nobody should be going out thinking that they, they need to get Viagra. Go buy some Viagra. But, <laughs> but how about some spinach or beets? Mm. Because spinach or beets can actually more naturally give you nitric oxide. So what I'm, I'm telling you is that, that the science that allows us to understand medicine food and, 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 and it, it gives us clues on, the f on why foods can be beneficial. And the implications are really, really profound. I think you just got a whole bunch more men to sign up for Saqqara right now. <laughs> eat your beets, eat your spinach, and uh, you'll be in good shape. <laughs> exactly. Well, this was amazing. And we could talk to you for hours. Um, but I'm really curious about what you are going to give all of our Sakara Light listeners for their light work today. So can you please share a light work exercise for our Sakara Lights? Well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, do, I'll come up with something that's easy to do, but actually requires a little bit of thought. And that is to actually drink three cups of green tea a day. And, um, and, and if you're using a bag of green tea, I want you to use whole test, so not decaffeinated green tea. The decaffeination process also removes some of the benefits. And if you're going to use a bag of green tea, I want you to steep the green tea in hot water for five minutes. And when you're steeping it, I want you to dunk it over the course of five minutes. So you could read a book, you could watch Netflix or whatever, but I want you to dunk your tea because dunking your tea in hot water while steeping extracts that motion, actually extracts more of the polyphenols into the tea. So make a cup of tea. I want you to make three of them a day, drink three of them a day, make it in hot water. If you're going to use tea bags, I want you to uh, steep it for five minutes. And I want you to dunk it over the course of five minutes. Okay. And then I want you to actually, over that five minutes, the tea will cool because, you know, it's so easy to drink really hot tea. It turns out if you drink really, really hot tea, that's associated with higher risk of developing esophagus cancer, um, mostly because you're burning your you're, you're burning your gut your, your esophagus. So in those five minutes, you're you're brewing your tea. Not only are you getting more of these polyphenols out, which are anti-inflammatory and can have cancer-starving effects, but you're also letting that tea cool down. 
So drink three cups of tea a day, steep it for five minutes, and make sure you're not drinking it when it's too hot and dunk it while you're steeping. Amazing. Going to get my green tea right now. Thank you so much, Dr. Lee. That was brilliant. Well, it's a pleasure uh, to be on and I'm looking forward to doing more with Sakara. Absolutely. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. We're so grateful for you and we're so happy to have you on the Science Council with us. If you have a Sakara story that you would like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at sakarastories at sakaralife.com. That's S-A-K-A-R-A-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at sakaralife.com or send us a DM at sakaralife. Don't forget to hit subscribe for the Sakara Life podcast and share this episode with anyone you think needs to hear what we talked about today. And don't forget about the light work. It might feel a little hard, a little uncomfortable, but it's supposed to. The whole idea is that we lean into what's uncomfortable so we all get to shine our lights a little brighter. And we'll see you on the other side, Sakara Lights. Lights.